Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Welcome and bienvenue. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, everybody. This is Script Shop. I'm Jack. I'm Allison. I'm uh, singing the opening song to Cabaret because I'm gonna. This is gonna put the show in a very specific time frame, but I don't care. I went and saw Northern Kentucky University did a production of Cabaret that I saw last night that was fantastic, and all the songs have been stuck in my head. And I needed something clever to open the show with, so I decided I'd go with that. I wish you would have sang more, though. I have. Can you do it now? From the étranger, stray. Oh, frankly, <laughs> stop. Easily, he doesn't want it to be. We're just saying words. What is, he doesn't want people to come after us. Frank's worried about us getting sued by. We the, are going to get sued. The Joel Gray <laughs> We're going to get sued. Our podcast. That's like. Well, I guess it will exist you forever. Don't know how many times so we've been matter. sued already? <laughs> Frank's fighting off lawsuits left and right. Uh, well, there's Frank. Everybody, Frank's Frank, here. We got. We have a Frankful show. Glad about that. Yeah, me too. Hi, Frank. Hello. We do talk about you when you're not here. I know. Yeah. We're always yeah. disappointed. Do you listen to the show? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad. I, I'm a listener. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listeners, I joke, especially in the beginning of the show, that our numbers were so high because I was obsessed listening to our own show and I would mm-hmm. listen to them multiple times because they're so funny to me. Yeah, sure. We, we have a good time. Yeah. We're doing this for us. Yeah. Uh, but if you are a listener, thank you for tuning in. This is Script Shop. This yes. is our podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts. And why they wrote them and what it means to them and why they're the only person in the whole world that could have possibly put all the words down on the page the way that they did. Yes, for sure. Uh, we are, if you're listening to us online, that's great. You're halfway there to connecting with us in other ways. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. If you look up Script Shop Show on all of those platforms, find us, friend us, follow us. We would, uh, we'd love that. We're lonely. <laughs> I'm just sitting at home staring at the wall like all the time. We need friends other than each other mm-hmm. we are our only friends yeah because because to be honest this is getting kind of old and we're looking to maybe expand our horizons a little bit we and need more friends we need you yeah we do need you out there you know you could also submit your script if you want to be part of yes. the of the friend group here because like we said we love screenwriters we love what they have to say we love kind of diving into their worlds and their wacky wacky brains and so so if you have a script if you have a story that you want to share with us and share with the world submit it via scriptshopshow.com slash submit and we will read your work and uh you know try to get you on the show yeah uh there's also uh while we're mentioning various websites and various ways that you can interact with and support us uh we would also be accepting of your money on patreon again mm-hmm. if you look up script shop show you can uh become a patron of ours send us some reenies yes send us those reenies we love reenies and don't forget that you can always leave us a review Yes, please do. That would help us out with uh, trying to get the show out there for other people to listen to it, That's right. uh, which we would appreciate uh, very, very much. What? Who's our guest today? We today, should introduce yes. our guest. Yes, we have um, a script called Wonderland by Ted Wilkes. Mm-hmm. It's a 115-page punishing graphic novel-esque anti-hero odyssey. 
Wow, yes. Yeah. I even looked up the word Odyssey to make sure it was the right word. It is. <laughs> See, it folks, is. this is the kind of quality that we're bringing to you. We're looking up words to make sure we use them the right way. Yeah, we are real podcasters. You're welcome, audience. Yeah. So we're really excited about having Ted on the show. Wonderland, of course, is an Alice in Wonderland-inspired tale. Yeah, a, sort of a sequel or a yeah. story that's grown out of Through the Looking Glass and, and Adventures of Alice in Wonderland and uh, maybe what happens to these characters as maybe a little bit of time goes on. It's a real yeah. hard-boiled, violent, uh, intriguing, yeah. sweeping sort of story. It's very cool. Yeah, it, I, is- it, it was a lot of fun to read and like try to picture... I love to be able to sort of play stuff out in my head as I'm reading it and picture what I might think it would look like. And I, what was I saying? I'm laughing because when you say things like that, I mm-hmm. like to imagine you at home reading, doing that, except remember that one time when I drew you in your underwear. Yeah. That's all I think about now. Oh, good. And it's funny. It's, it's shocking that we're trying to expand our horizons and meet new friends, folks. Thanks a lot. Uh, we should probably put Ted on the line, I huh? think that sounds great. Ted, 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 please rescue me from this conversation about drawings that Allison has done of me in my underpants. No pressure or anything. No, no pressure. So I, I, thank you so much for having me on, guys. Thank and you, Also, as well, uh, thank you for what you're doing with um, Script Shop. I think it's brilliant that oh, you, you're thanks. giving kind of a, a voice for, uh, you know, up-and-coming writers to be able to talk about their work. Well, we really appreciate it. And, it, you know, it's very selfish. It's fun for us to read really everybody's is. scripts. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we love conversations about art. We love conversations about thoughts, philosophies, different perspectives. And so as much as it is, you know, we think good for the writers, yourself included, again, we just – Love hanging out. We love reading scripts. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so thank you, but thank you for being here. More importantly, uh, now Ted, you no, are no. talking to us. Uh, you're from. Uh, you're over in Great Britain, yeah. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm from London in the UK, right in the middle of it. Um, I'm just about ten minutes from uh, Old Street Roundabout, and uh, another ten minutes over to Angel Tube Station. So I'm literally right in the middle of London, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Frank has a bit of a history with with. Okay, well, yep. we don't well, need to go there. Frank, Frank just shook his head <laughs> like, I'm not telling shake. you that story. Okay, that's fine. I were you just... going to talk about Frank going to France? Well, no, we're, we're here to talk to Ted. I just thought maybe Frank could give us a little perspective if he knows where Ted's talking about where he's at. That's Ted all. Talks. His Ted Talks. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I lived over there, but I, that's all I had to say. That's, okay. That's, that's, that's it. No problem. No, we can cut all this no out. No big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ted. All those flat yeah, jokes. <laughs> so, Ted, as far as your writing history, uh, how long have you been doing it? Is it uh, a full-time gig, part-time gig, something you do for fun? Uh, so, I mean, I'm probably like most screenwriters. I, I wrote that first terrible script when I was 15 that was yeah. all about teenage angst and the girl that I loved at the time and mm. all of that. Um, mm. So, you know, it, I've probably been writing on and off for about 15 years. Um, but now I, I kind of get to call it my day job, which is which is a real privilege. That's great. Because uh, yeah. I, 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 I teach screenwriting at uh, Regents University in London, which is uh, a, a, an independent university over here and uh, teaches a lot of American kids, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I just basically get, get to talk about the art that I love and spend the rest of the time scoring away in my office writing my next big idea. So, it, yeah, it's it, Perfect. That's really nice because it's like, you know, you get to do your writing in your free time and you're like, I'm I'm actually advancing my day job right now. Yeah, I'm working. Getting to practice it yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it, it, it's great to be able to just to think, oh, I, I, you know, I'm researching in inverted commas when I when I just get to, you know, read a script or, you know, watch some uh, lessons from the screenplay or even script shop show and, and just kind of learn about my art and my craft and, and be able to find a way to pass that on in a new and exciting way is is, is a real privilege. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. That's, you know, that's uh, I, it sounds like you really appreciate the ability to do that. And that instead of just sort of taking it for granted, I think that's great. 
Oh, th well, thank you very much. I mean, I, I, you know, I think a few of my non-AM lecture students may, may disagree, but they, uh, <laughs> they, 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 they're going to learn something when, before they leave, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, how did you get into this position? Was, were you just very consciously thinking, I love writing, I want to make this more of my life? Or did you kind of stumble into this writing, teaching work as well? Uh, well, so I was I was a, an English high school teacher, um, and I I spent two years doing that, and then and slowly realised that the, the the younger children didn't really interest me with their their sticky fingers ruining my suits mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I thought that I would uh, I'd go back and do my master's degree in in screenwriting to kind of further my craft. And while I was doing that, um, a friend who is 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 a lecturer at the university as well asked if I'd just come in for an hour a week just to, 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 to kind of help out or, you know, to cover a class here and there. And, and I just kind of stayed. So that was, it was really kind of advantageous that I was free at the time really. And, and had some teaching experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, here's just a random question, but what do you think is the most common mistake that you see young writers make? There you go. <laughs> um, so we see a lot of uh, young men who think they're Quentin Tarantino and they write <laughs> Quentin Tarantino films mm -hmm. But obviously, they're not as good as Quentin Tarantino films. So that, you know, I think it's really you, you've got to find your own voice and what you want to tell stories about. And that authenticity really comes off the page. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just 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 write something exciting, write something that makes me care, write something that makes me invest in the characters. And, and I think too often, you know, young writers are trying to emulate who, who they love, which, which is a great exercise. But it, it's about finding their voice and really showing it to me on that page mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting because that's because that's such a theme like you've seen it happen more and more so it's it's very much a thing and it's a way that you can okay yeah that's a good start you've sort of copied this thing that you've liked for so long and then find a way mm. to get a foothold and sort of maybe guide the river in in a more true direction instead of forcing it that, that's uh it's a way to sort of knowing that it's going to be there you can mold from there right yeah, totally, totally. And I mean, I think I got guys like Dan Gilroy, who uh, has just done Velvet Buzzsaw on Netflix. Yeah, um, he, he, you know, with him with Nightcrawler and such, he, he's really kind of reinvented the, the this kind of dark thriller genre mashup. And uh, you know, I'm very excited to see his work. And you know, I always kind of try and point students in in the direction of auteurs like that because I think that you can learn a lot from these these you know guys who are doing incredibly weird but wonderful stuff at the same time. Is that what you sort of find yourself uh, gravitating to in your writing? Because this this Wonderland script, like we said, there's it's 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 a visceral, uh, exciting, uh, fairly dark, again like hard boiled detective kind of story based on all the Alice through the Looking Glass type stuff. Is there a certain is that what you find yourself writing more frequently than not? I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's kind of something that I just gravitated to almost by accident, it's, it seems. Um, this, uh, uh, Wonderland particularly came from, um, I was reading Travis Beecham's uh, spec script, A uh, Killing on Carnival Row. Uh, it's just been made into a TV series for Amazon Prime. Oh, and cool. I, mm. I read it and I thought it was, it was this brilliant kind of noir fantasy mashup. Um, and he, he had this really, uh, he, he had this tone that was quite different from Wonderland. But I, I, I kind of saw a lot in that character. And then I, um, I, in England, I don't know if you have the tradition over in America as well, the pantomime at Christmas. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. No. Uh, so it, it's kind of like it's, it's a silly kind of family play at Christmas. And when we were young, we, we got to, my, my parents took them to us. And, and it's kind of a tradition that my mother likes to go to them still. So we went to this, this really kind of strange reimagining of Alice in Wonderland. And I just kind of paired these two things together and mm. thought, yeah, this, 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 this would be a great, uh, a great world to explore that kind of noir fantasy in. 
and yeah, that's that's where Wonderland was born from, really. But um, yeah, the, the the rest of the time, I do I do I gravitate towards genre, but I'm I'm trying to kind of tone down the uh, the brutality a little bit for the next one. I feel mm. so. Yeah. What, yeah. Did this one take you by surprise with how brutal it is? <laughs> I mean, it's it's odd because I although I. Uh, I I, I have I get a lot of notes that oh you know it is it's quite visceral Ted I I, I don't know if it if it's just that I, I maybe didn't quite hit the tone that I wanted to or if I'm you know maybe it has come across too much on the page over um but yeah I'm uh yeah mm-hmm. that was a bit of a ramble I'm sorry no 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 <laughs> well I think maybe part of the reason that that reaction comes through is because you're talking about a story that so many people have from their childhood even specifically here in the states for sure maybe the Disney version more so than the actual Lewis Carroll books and I think then pairing it really with any kind of violence I think would maybe just seem that much more noticeable no no totally totally and uh, I, I I feel that though uh, Lewis Lewis Carroll's work kind of gets uh, because of the disnification of yeah. it mm-hmm. it kind of gets overlooked some of the the kind of more dark and troubling themes that are in there and you know especially with his with his own life being a bit, a bit kind of twisted in and of itself I feel that you know he was representing something on the page that maybe we you know you read too much into but I think there's definitely something there maybe but um can you tell yeah, me a little yeah. bit more about Lewis Carroll's life because you know I'm not terribly familiar but you say he had a dark and twisted life and I'm- yeah I mean you know, the, the, he, he was he was allegedly an opium addict mm. and um, one of the uh, one of the scenes in the uh, in the script comes from a story that one of my high school English teachers told me where by the end of his life he just he, he hadn't been upstairs in his house because he believed there was a green man there waiting for him wow. and you know when they actually went up there there was just the, these clouds of dust that circulating because and, and rotting food all across the floor because mm. he was trying to appease this man that he believed was at the top of the stairs oh my gosh and, you know what whatever that rep- i mean i don't know if this is true it was a great story at the time and it definitely captured my imagination because you know 15 years down the line i still remember it but right. um but yeah i thought that was a great image and obviously a, a troubled psyche mm-hmm. definitely behind that yeah you know as a writer normally for you do you find that you just kind of take in these tidbits these stories these little things that leave impressions on you and then over time it results in something bigger or newer or inspired in a way yeah definitely i mean you know i i i, I have the, the phone now i used to have the little notebook but i've got the phone now and it's not just full of notes where you know oh this this person said that and and this has happened or this this beautiful thing that i found and it's amazing where you can just kind of go through them you know after a month say and and, and see what you can join up together uh, i mean it's a bit like doing the morning pages mm-hmm. I, I don't know if uh yeah you know just what the kind of themes and ideas that are bubbling up to the surface over time definitely that's kind of a neat exercise, you know, just collecting things and then kind of trying to connect dots throughout them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I, mean, I really encourage, I'd really encourage people to kind of journal or to um, just collect scraps or mood board um, when, when they're in the process of writing something, because the writing is, is, is almost the last step mm. um, that you should really be doing. And, you know, even if it's just, you know, a throwaway line that someone says on the bus, you, you never know where, what that's going to lead to in the end. Mm hmm. Well, and as a teacher also, as someone who's trying to get people to really be able to tap into their own creativity, the idea of being able to sort of flex these muscles, it takes it takes exercise, it takes practice, and little exercises like you're talking about, jotting down little notes, paying attention, that's a good way to keep that your your mind sharp. Yeah, totally, totally. And I mean, I, one, one of the things I, I love to do in class is, is the kind of limit creativity, 
So give give the students a, a genre or, or or an idea and and just something to kind of frame that um, that that creative energy that they have in them because boundless energy on a white page is is sometimes misplaced. Whereas if if you know today we're going to write a thriller or a horror and it's set in a laundrette and it's got to have this line of dialogue in or something, I I, I find that quite uh, come some really good work can come out of that. Mm-hmm. We just had a show recently. We interviewed a guy named Mark Renshaw who wrote a script called Cyborn about this robot that's like dying and he's rolling dice in a church and he's remembering parts of his life. His life is like flashing before his eyes, accessing these different memories. And he told us that the whole the reason that he wrote that script was like a writing contest where I think the only two, the only two things he had to have in it were dice and a church. And he said the mm-hmm. The idea of being able to focus it instead of just saying write whatever was extremely helpful to him in in terms of crafting that story. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely. And I, 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 I believe it was kind of like a flash fiction competition or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that they're, they're great. They're definitely great. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to have a bit more time to search them out. I think I'd, that should be part of my New Year's resol- late New Year's resolution. Better late than Well, you know, yeah, as, exactly. yeah. <laughs> as a teacher. Forget, 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 this, forget this gym membership that's never going to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, come on. Just cancel it <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> as a teacher, who were who your teachers? You know, where did you really learn writing from a 15 year old writing your first angsty love script to like deciding you were going to go get your master's in screenwriting what happened in between there yeah so uh great question um i mean at at my undergrad level uh there was a, a, a professor dr veronica spencer and she really kind of helped me um kind of realize my own voice and and decide what it was that i wanted to tell stories about and you know so i I have a lot to thank her for in in kind of working out why i was telling stories in the first place for sure um i mean uh, tim price he's he's a screenwriter um in the uk he he's written on doctors and i believe he's on doctor who now as well but don't quote me on that Mm -hmm. um and and he was a tutor on my master's program and he taught me a lot about structure and, and how to actually formulate the, these crazy ideas I had into like a coherent narrative, which, which was, which was a really great thing for me at that time. But, um, I, I mean, I, I can't praise Scott Myers enough, uh, from the get into the story blog or going to the story blog for the blacklist and some, some of his work that he does particular on how to, um, actually, uh, you know, format your work mm-hmm. uh, on the page to 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 create a a, a, a more interesting and exciting rhythm is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and finally, I you know I don't I don't want to blow his trumpet too much because he was my boss, but um, Phil Hughes uh, he wrote uh, Thunderpants and the Queen's Nose mm-hmm. uh, in the country. Uh, he he he's fa- he's fantastic. He'll read my work and and tell me exactly you know what is what is what is up with it and what needs to change. And yeah, it's great. What do you think was like? one of the most important things you ever heard in the journey of your writing that kind of has helped shape your writing and has kind of tuned you into your own voice. Uh, well, I, I mean, uh, can I swear? I yeah. Think I yeah. It's the internet. <laughs> it, 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 it's Hemingway. Like the first draft of anything is shit mm-hmm. or uh, Terry Pratchett, you know, like the first draft is you telling yourself the story yeah. and don't expect anything else out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it, you know, it, it's, it's being disciplined enough to sit down and be like, right, there is probably, one sentence in here that 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 is the theme of the piece that I wanted to communicate to everyone. So I'm you know I'm going to build from that and 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 throw out you know 
my you know kill your darlings mm-hmm. in order to make the, the actual project better mm-hmm. you said that you sort of generally stick with uh, various forms of genre writing do you feel that that sort of enables you to be able to kill your darlings more being maybe aware of certain conventions in the different genres or is it all just sort of equally challenging whether you're talking about a big empty page or if there's certain things that you want to you know uh, boxes you want to check you know, I think that I think that's a great, that's great, a great question, and I'm kind of struggling to answer it. But I'll give it a punt. Um, it just if, sorry if you just give me a minute. No, no think. problem. Yeah, sorry about that. That's a great question. You're um, such a good teacher. You're like <laughs> great. Thank you for asking the question. <laughs> if I could just go to Wikipedia and I'll find the answer, and then t- no. <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah, I think that. You, you know, obviously, genre has 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 tropes and conventions to it that an audience expects to have you know like there is no point in having a comedy if no one's going to laugh there's no point in having a horror unless people are going to be filling their nappies um but (laughs) but i i think it i think it's being aware of that those tropes and and almost being like a chef and and deciding what bits you're going to give to the audience and how you're going to be clever with those tropes and conventions and show them something that they've never seen before. So for example, like Black, Black Mirror, um, the, the Charlie Brooker series on Netflix. Yes, mm-hmm. I love that show. Yeah, it's, 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 it's constantly giving us new ways to look at different tropes and conventions, yeah. um, which, which, which I think is fascinating. That's not to say, though, that you know, drama isn't, isn't just as hard to write, I, you know, potentially without having that framework that we have in genre it's even more difficult but i wouldn't want to give drama writers that um ammunition to hold over us but yeah (laughs) no i like the idea that you're comparing it to like being a cook and like knowing Mm -hmm. certain ingredients that you're probably going to want to put into it and just deciding how much of it when you're going to add it and you know how hot you want to cook it at I, i think that's an interesting way to compare it yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we have this amazing chef um, over here called Heston Blumenthal. I don't know if he's made it to America yet. Mm. Um, but he, he did these crazy dishes with like popping candy in or uh, used like science and, you know, li- all sorts of weird molten liquids and stuff in desserts. And, and he kind of changed cooking. And I thought, oh, you know, he, it's just like working in, on a screenplay almost. You, you know, you can't change food just like you can't change the tropes. It's just how you prepare them. Yeah. Really. It's just, yeah. No, I think that's – I really, really like that uh, that comparison very much. So taking this work and the idea that it is sort of based on some previously existing work, how freeing was it for you to maybe break from conventions and still feel like you needed to be true a little bit to the source material and the characters that had been established before? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, obviously to do this, I, I went back and I reread um, Alice in Wonderland and also through The Looking Glass just to, just to kind of pick out – the bits that I thought were really very interesting, but then it, it, it really came to me when I thought about Rabbit, and I thought, what happens to this poor guy who's had this girl chasing after him all this time, mm-hmm. and then one day he just wakes up and she's gone, and he's got no answers, he's got no context for 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 for, for, for why she's no longer following him or or with him, and I, I felt that was quite tragic, and I, I really thought that the, the tragedy of of losing someone who you've become so close to is mm-hmm. uh, and not understanding why they've gone or even where they've gone was the real heart of the story. Mm-hmm. And also as well, I, I thought, I thought there was um, a, a bit of irony in, in the idea that, you know, Alice in Alice in Wonderland is, 
is is chasing the rabbit now the rabbit has to do the chasing himself i, th- I thought there was a, a nice irony in that yeah that is very clever it like just that. gives you a little bit to like turn over in your head a lot like because i've never really ever focused on the rabbit in yeah. the original alice in wonderland it's all about alice yeah and yeah, then, it's just it's just this guy who's late for something. You've got no idea what. And and yeah, I I I I felt that you know his 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 superpower of always being on time, no matter um, no matter no matter what he's going to, was was a fascinating angle for him as well. What was great about the rabbit is is that if he understood the darkness that was in between the lines of the story, and he never wanted to let Alice really see through yeah and to, to, to what it actually is yeah well that's a whole nother you know through the looking glass metaphor too yeah, sure about what is yeah. underneath the other side Ugh. yeah 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 um but yeah and I, I i find that i found this cast of characters that i i just really wanted to develop and kind of take take for myself um and i i hope i was uh, you know showed the great reverence to you know um lewis carroll but at the same time was able to kind of put my own stamp on them as well mm-hmm. well i think it shows what a rich world he created in these stories that you're able to draw from that well and and spin it into into this thing where you, where you've got this this rabbit guy now who is like kind of ruined ever since she's been gone he he's just he's a mess as far as substance abuse and drinking and he's he's gone from being a kind of a police officer to being like kind of a private eye now but just also not really doing anything and just being mad all the time mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i i felt for rabbit that he you know he he talks i mean i i don't because the 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 script has moved on since i um last sent it so i don't know if the version that you have has has got the voiceover in it or not there is some um, yeah yeah, and so he he talks a lot about it, about his anger and how it's misplaced, but at the same time, it's very useful for him because when he needs to be angry, that's when um, he 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 is of most use to himself and to the cause of trying to find people. Oh, that's interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, but I, I I you know I, Rabbit was great. It was great to play with his voice, and it was great to play with that character because I you know I think there is that that human need to, to kind of right wrongs and to understand, mm-hmm. but also recognizing that there is, a, you know, kind of a darkness in us and we, we need to, we need to have control over it. Otherwise it can become too much. And this whole idea of running versus pursuing in regards to rabbit, you know, what, what do you really see as being his through line here? What is it that he wants in this world that you've made for him? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that what he wants is, is that he wants to be able to do right. And he wants people to tell him that he's that he's doing right, even though, you, you know, it's not the black and white thing that potentially he thinks of it as. And he realizes that uh, during the piece. Um, but as well, I think that he wants he wants to be able to give, have forgiveness for 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 um, what happened with him and Alice but also what happened with him in Cheshire mm-hmm. and, you know, potentially what happened with him in Hatter as well. He just, he wants someone to accept his apology, mm. but, at, but at the same time, not be seen as weak. Well, the idea, there's such a, a theme of running in this too, whether he's running from a problem or running headlong into it, he sort of does everything at full speed. He's never, there's really no half measures. The stakes are very high from the beginning. Yeah. From, from the get go, he never really does anything halfway. He's, he's, he's either all in or he's all out. And I think that sets up an interesting way for him to bounce off a lot of the other characters that are maybe a little more even keeled than he is. <laughs> I really didn't want him doing anything half baked. I, I really kind of wanted him hitting the ground at a hundred miles an hour. And I mean, even in that opening image, I just wanted to grab the reader and be like, Hey, this is going to be a crazy journey that we're going to go on together and, you know, strap yourself in. Cause it's one hell of a ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, thank you, thank you for what you said. That 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 just made a lot. Thank you very much. Yeah, sure. And it was, was it more fun to write these? I mean, they're they're very human qualities in all these characters. But you're also writing about a rabbit. And like in the early part, when they're at the restaurant, there's a there's a toad that's cooking dishes, and you've got the ravens that are showing up. You just said a toad cooking dishes. A toad, a toad was cooking dishes. That's absolutely what was going on at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they cook dishes there, Allison. That's what yeah. happens? <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, they, so they, was they that, put their chicken underneath their dishes. Yeah, it's that's like, exactly yeah. right. But so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, was that freeing to be able to sort of take these animals and still have these human qualities in them, but then also, you know, little animal traits here and there? Yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, like how how does a caterpillar behave when he is packing an opium pipe? You know, I don't think anyone yeah. has ever <laughs> asked themselves that question. Um, so it was it was it was quite fun to be able to play with, say, especially Absalom. Um, and 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 how he would behave and maneuver in this tiny little um, opium den that he owns. Yeah. And and um, it, 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 uh, it was because I, I showed this to a producer friend and she 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 did talk and said, you know, how have you anthropomorphized these these creatures? And I really said, oh, you know, I, I wanted it a bit like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, where, you know, humans and, and aliens live side by side and no one's really talking about it. No one really cares. Um, but uh, tonally, she said that that would be a terrible reference, so I should throw that one out the window. But, uh, mm. but yeah, that's the kind of world that I that I wanted to create, where it's all kind of just part of what it is. Yeah, there's no need to go into any sort of explanation. You're just present. This is the way the world is, and anybody who's even remotely familiar with Alice in Wonderland as a concept or as a story, I think that's it's a pretty easy buy-in. Yeah, totally, totally. Thank you. Uh, you know, you 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 got to decide kind of like which characters showed up at. Which, let's say, original Alice in Wonderland character showed up at which point and in which iteration in your story? And how did you go about deciding, you know, which of the original characters were going to be what characters now for you? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, uh, Hart is 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 you know is obviously our villain. You 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 can't write an Alice in Wonderland story without Hart being like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, as as the Queen of Hearts, that as Alice saw, she was even the villain then as well. So. We, we we had to have her in in that position. I think making her a DA was 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 more interesting for me rather than being, say, the ruler of the kingdom. Um, was because you know Rabbit now had stakes because she was directly his boss, um, and also as well like with Duchess, I I was really drawn to this character of Duchess with this kind of gender fluid uh, character who we, who was was this quite dangerous. Um, presence, and you, you were never quite sure what they were going to do at, at any time, be, because that that's just what they're known for. Um, and and I, I really did want to play with that character a little more, but I I I, I felt that the 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 trait of them being quite unhinged was was enough, really. Well, yeah, we're all mad here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the only regret I, I really have with the characterization is that it put Tweedledee's on his own and we don't have a Tweedledum knocking mm. about. Yeah, I yeah. assumed that there was a crazy backstory as to where Dumb is. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, I think I, I, I think I kind of rationalized myself that there was going to be one. But if, if, if you have a good one, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. Okay, well, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> I really did yeah. like it when Tweedledee showed up and he's got like tattoos and stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really fun. <laughs> I think it was kind of, you know, if it was this kind of dog eat dog Darwinian world that Wonderland seemed to be, you know, Tweedledee would have been, would be in charge. Mm-hmm. But I think that he realizes that he, do, he doesn't quite have the nows upstairs and, and needs Duchess to be pointing him in the right direction to, to unleash his, 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 his destruction. Yeah. Yeah. He's a blunt object. 
Yes, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I do like it that he's brought down in you know, a spoilers alert by with with the smallest weapon in the in the whole yeah. uh, the whole screenplay. You know, I think that's a, a nice little moment for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should probably read the uh, little selection that we have yeah. from your from your script right now. Yes, please do. Um, so, Ted, we're going to be reading for our listeners a scene that listeners, if you're following along, starts on script page forty four. Um, it's a flashback scene between Rabbit and Alice. And, uh, Ted, if you wanted to set up, like, why this scene is important here or some of the things that just happened right before so the listeners can kind of have context for where we're going. Yeah, sure. So um, so Rabbit has recently, I believe, returned to his salt box or his, uh, his, his kind of bed sit, and he's had his finger cut off. Uh, his, his lucky rabbit's finger has been removed from him by the Duchess as, as, a, as a, um, a way of telling him off. And he, he slumps down and he has a vision or, or he has a flashback of when he first met Alice. And this is his real kind of call to arms as in you, you've got to change your ways. Yeah, and there's uh, he's also sort of coming off this other. We haven't really talked much about Cheshire. Uh, she's sort of yep. like a lounge singer that he's sort of had this off and on fling with. I think Cheshire sort of fills in some of the uh, the gaps of, of whatever relationship that he may have had with Alice beforehand. Uh, and now he's yeah he he's flashing back to when when he and Alice were first interacting. And Cheshire was there. There was a little bit of a, a trigger for her to to go into that, if I remember right. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, so I mean, Cheshire for me was was almost like this this surrogate relationship that Rabbit seemed to have fallen into, where where none of them really, ne- neither party really wanted to, to be in that space. Um, and you know, Cheshire's got this jealousy of Alice that she's not quite willing to work through, and Rabbit, you know, potentially doesn't want to be there either. So I, I found that dynamic quite interesting to write as well. Yeah, they're not good for each other, but mm-hmm. they're they're. It's not about Mister Right; it's about Mister Right now. I think between the two of them. No, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and again, that was a great dynamic to kind of work with where they both, you know, in a, in a perfect world, they would have been together and that would have been fine. But this third person is driving a wedge between them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also the, you know, the whole world at large is twisted and they're coming into whatever state of mind with a lot of baggage, yeah. each of them. And that gets in the mm. way, too. For sure. Okay, that's a whole different conversation, though. So <laughs> well, we can get back to that after we read the scene. Uh, Ted, we're going to turn you down for just a minute. We'll be right back with you. Sure, listeners, we've got Frank doing stage directions today. I will be reading Alice, and Jack's going to be reading Rabbit. And I'm not really going to try to do an do accent. Do a rabbit on this. accent? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Up, I'm not up on my it's rabbit a... regional dialects mm-hmm. as much no. as I should be. That's my fault. Yeah, we're not doing dialects because we don't want to ruin this guy's work. Yeah, let's just let the words <laughs> speak for themselves. <laughs> so, Frank, whenever you're ready, Canal Street. Deserted. Snow. Hands to pockets. Whistling. Slows. Notices something. A girl walking on a high wall of a slum garden as if it were a tightrope. Alice Little. Delicate like a ballet dancer. Feels for the next step with her toes. Rabbit darts over. You! Get out from there! She's not paying attention. Carries on. Impossible. Nothing's impossible. Get down from there now! That's not true. I can think of six impossible things before breakfast. You need to get off the wall now, otherwise I'll nib you for breach of the peace. You can't arrest me. You're not a constable. I am. Well, why did you lob crawl that cove in the alley? Busted. Mind races. Rabbit reaches for his truncheon. Sinister. Get down now. I shan't. Exhales. Exasperated. (sighs) I was taking things off him that he shouldn't have. Then you were dishonest in your intentions. 
which means you can't be a real constable. Just because there are dander coves in the world shouldn't mean that those who are supposed to be nanty need stoop to their level. Do you know what happens to church bells in my line of work? A canary croons only when she first smells the gas. It's meant to be a warning to Namas out of the mine before it's too late. Slip. Alice loses her footing. Looks down at the floor. High up. Eyes shoot open. Wide. Panicked. Why am I so large? It must have been the tonic. The tonic made me like this. I won't fit, and I'll make such a terrible mess at the shindig like this. Something streaks across her face. Something forgotten. The shindig. The cakes. The cakes? I've forgotten the cakes. The queen will cut off my napper. Grips her stomach. Laughs like only someone off their nut can. <laughs> Overbalances. Tips backward. Out of view. Rabbit sets off straight towards. A slum garden. Same. A mess of brambles and weeds. Alice, accordioned in the undergrowth, not moving. A milky white fragment poking out of her leg. Rabbit races over. Unsheathes his truncheon. Lines up a sticking right at her head. Should be easy. Really looks at her. Can't bring himself to it. Eyes flutter open. Rabbit hides his weapon away. Is this the garden? No. Searching in him, notices something strange. It's curious. Pretending to be two people at once, isn't it? Reaches for his face. Rabbit moves her hand away. That's just the fall. We need to get you to the infirmary. Alice comes to. Whatever was in her system is fading. Pain. (laughs) Blubbering. Finally... (laughs) Tears. I don't care for it here. I should never have come. Where are you from? Thinks through streaming eyes. I can't. I can't quite remember. A barrage of tears. Hey, 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 don't don't cry. It's okay. I can take you to the station and we can... Crying stops. Deathly serious. No, you are not to take me there. I have to report this. Goes to put the whistle in his mouth. It's seized out. Don't. Sigh. Rabbit pushes his ears down. <sighs> Then where shall we go? Anywhere. Anywhere, please. I just want to go home. And end scene. All right. End scene. So, Ted, that's an interesting uh, first meeting between these two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I really kind of wanted to in, encapsulate, you know, this This is uh, Rabbit's first or second day on the job. And this is, should be really easy for him just to kind of deal with this this girl who's in breach of the peace. But there's just there's something about her that really captures his eye. And as, as well for her, I mean, it's it's a line from the book as well. Uh, it's curious pretending to be two people at once, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's that she either in her pace state or just through her interactions with Rabbit kind of notices that there's, there's something inside of him that. He's pretending to be. Yeah, that, I, we, this idea of, like you said, you can't tell if it's because she's in her hazed state that she can maybe sort of see the truth in him that even he's not willing to acknowledge because he was about to knock her over the head and he, de- he decides not to. And there's some moments later on when Tiger Lily as a character mm-hmm. – smokes her brains out as a way to try to f- see some truth to get to the truth of things as mm. and talking about Lewis Carroll's perhaps history with, with drugs uh, what role do drugs play in being able to get more in touch with yourself and see the truth versus just getting high and stumbling around giggling for a couple hours well I, you know i suppose you know i i wouldn't want to get too spiritual about all of this but you know it, it, there there are plenty of um 
world religions out there that kind of use some sort of ritualistic imbibing to to get to that other side, mm-hmm. to get to that other side and that other plane. But I mean, you know, I am kind of using this as as, as a bit of a uh, a narrative um, convenience to do so. But I, I think that there is just something quite naive and innocent, but also um quite understanding about all of the dreamers who come to wonderland you know they they have a backstory they they have all faced tragedy and that's why they're there so they can understand where why there is when there is someone there who is here to help and here to to make their lives better back to rabbit and alice here you, you know you say you recognize or she recognizes something in him and he recognizes something in her and i just wonder is there do you think that it's that it's love between them because if it is it seems awfully hopeful but you know mm. what else is this magnetism that keeps pulling these two together i mean you know i think that the, there is something between the pair of them and i it, i don't want to label it straight up as kind of a, a lusting love or mm. something but I, I and at the same time i don't want to take it so far that it's say you know just this paternal drive to protect mm-hmm. but i i think you know rabbit sees something in alice that that is hopeful for him mm-hmm. because there's there's a lot that's gone wrong in his life and he needs to work out this girl and 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 what her what her drives are what her motivations are but also what he can do to 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 make it better for her because she's not supposed to be here she's not supposed to be at the bottom of a barrel yeah. um that because that's where he is mm. and he it both confuses him but also gives him something that he that he he gets up in the morning for mm-hmm. afterwards and changes his life definitely and, and she's able to cut him to the quick that first interaction she sees right through him being duplicitous and she cuts right to his core and then flashing to the current state of the story her gone Whatever connection they had, whatever sort of feeling that they had between each other, she's gone and he is just ruined. He's ruined because she's not around. No, totally. I mean, you know, she she was she was the best drug. She was truth. Yeah. She was she she saw through him. He didn't need you know the opium pipe or the bottle to to get past his ego. He just he he just had to be with her to realize the person that he should have been. And you know that I mean, the, there is the uh, the dream sequence at the beginning. Um, of the piece where he is chasing the dragon and he, you know, he, he realizes that, um, you know, he's doing this to see her and he's doing this over and over again, just to catch a glimpse of what he hopes will be a new memory. But it, it, it's not, it's always the same. It's always his mind playing tricks on him. And eventually he realizes that, you know, he's at the bottom of this dark hole and he can't go any further. Mm-hmm. Which is why he, it's, it's that much more important for him to make things right by the time this Tiger Lily character shows up and tr- just trying to see this thing through, figure out who's – because there's a – we haven't even really got into any of the plot about these dreamers that are being like sort of sold off as slaves. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about the dreamers then. Yeah. Ted, do you want to talk to us about the dreamers and where this comes from and who these women are in the story? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, in in America, um, when Obama um, pardoned the uh, the immigrants, I believe they were called dreamers, mm. and the idea was is coming to this land of opportunity, and you you were you were you know here to dream, but at the same time, I kind of saw this as a, as as a nightmarish vision. At the same time, you know these these people who've been brought to another land don't really understand it and what's going on. And I, 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 although, you know, a very, a very noble thing and a, a very right thing for America, um, I hope I'm okay saying this, um, but um, I kind of saw it as, well, I could use this in my own work. 
and the idea of these dreamers that they've come to Wonderland because they've they've off themselves in this life and they found themselves here in Wonderland mm -hmm. and they don't understand it. They're simply here dreaming and the populace have got fed up with them and they don't really know what to do because they don't know where they've come from. They can't send them back. So they, they struggle with what to do. And at the beginning, uh, there's kind of a backstory where they sent them away to the countryside, a bit like this Victorian idea that, the, that nature would help restore them to their proper being. And then they thought, well, we'll, we'll put them on the boats and send them somewhere. I, I, we don't quite know what we're going to do with them. Um, but, you know, it turns out that these people are here now and, and they have to be integrated into society, into society. And at the end, Rabbit finally unlocks all of this. And, you know, the, the big conspiracy that they're trying to uh, use these 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 uh, mainly girls who come here um, for nefarious means needs to stop. Yeah, that geez, that that whole other the, the element of the idea of immigrants and trying to uh, acclimate oneself to a new land and even the uh, the ongoing refugee stories that have been going on in the world forever and ever uh, that's a, that's an element that I, I didn't uh, I didn't think about until you brought that up just now that's I think that's a whole other wrinkle in the story that is is interesting to think about no definitely and I mean, it, it was something that I kind of wanted to deliberately have in there but I I didn't want it at the at the forefront of the narrative you know I mm -hmm. I didn't think it was uh, I, I, I'm not the right person to explore that story. And at the same time, if, if I were to write a story that would, that were exploring themes like that directly, I, it, it wouldn't be in, in, in a piece like this, if, sure. if you see where I'm coming from. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other thing too, is that this whole kind of redemption piece for rabbit with the dreamers, it ties them all the way back to Alice because she, they talk about her being the original dreamer and then right. being the second one. And that brings me to the Alice psyche mm. because you were, you just mentioned that, you know, the dreamers are these people who have off themselves in this other life and now find themselves here. And so I sure. wonder if there's, is, is there like a, a suicidality about Alice in this story? You know, we first find her walking on top of this very high wall and, and I, I just want to talk about the Alice psyche and what, she is and what's driving her during the story well I, I suppose so um i mean charles Lutwidge is uh, lewis carroll's real name um so he is actually in the story himself yeah. as dr charles Lutwidge. and um the the idea in in the narrative of wonderland is that he has adopted alice um it back in 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 real in the real world in inverted commas and um, when he disappeared and came to Wonderland as the first dreamer, she followed him because she was unable to to, to live anymore without him. Mm. And she she kind of, she heard these stories from him and such about this place, so she followed him there. But I I, I suppose it's 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 you know it's it's the tragic heroine, isn't it? It's the the burning fast and too bright, and and she she ended here and regrets it. But at the same time, is is trying to make the most of it when we meet her as as an older Alice, yeah. um, in in trying to do good with with the hand she's been dealt almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because geez, when Rabbit and Alice finally do get to have that reconnection moment, it's uh, it's. It's brief at best, mm -hmm. and it, because now at this point, the, the this this underlying conspiracy between D.A. Hart and the Duchess and all this human trafficking with the Dreamers and, and uh, cops and shooting, and it, it, mm. they have a brief sort of moment of reconciliation, and it's so tragic that it doesn't work out by the time the story plays itself all the way through. But Rabbit, I mean, he, he is able to see, he is able to see it through, despite the fact that she's only there for a brief time at the end. 
You know, I, I totally, and you know, you know, because I got to the point in in the narrative where it felt right and organic that um, that Rabbit and Alice should reconnect. Mm-hmm. But now I thought, well, Rabbit's got everything he wanted, so that you know, the story can't end here. There's so much more to it. Yeah. And I thought that the the best way to motivate Rabbit further, especially against the people, um, excuse me, who he he's now going up against, is it if we take Alice away from him. And, and and that sends him into his darkest night of the soul, the innermost cave. And he really has to look at himself and think, right, she'd want me to do this. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, Tiger Lily, Tiger Lily is, is almost a conduit for Alice, you know, a, a dreamer herself. Um, but, uh, you know, she is now the reason for him to, to pick, you know, pick himself up and be like, right, I've, I've got to do this for her now. Um yeah, there's well, a bit I mean, of a what, bit of a like a Batman and Robin kind of thing where I I can't let this happen. It already happened once. I'm not going to let this happen again. No, totally, totally. But I mean, you know, I I I I love Tiger Lily's character because you know she she's cheeky and fun, and she you know I think at the end as well, Rabbit says something about how um, she'll have a trade, but it won't be an honest one. Yeah. And uh, the idea is that there's a gin store somewhere on Canal Street that you know Tiger Lily's hawking something or other. But, yeah. yeah. Was it um, tempting to try to give Rabbit and Alice like a happy ending? Um. Yes, it was. Um. And I've I've had a few people who have have read this or um the the novelization of it. And um, they, they 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 get quite surprised in the middle when when Alice is no longer with us. But you know, I I, I do say that we 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 never we never really see her go. So you never know in the sequel there could be opportunity for her to return. There you go. That's a nice loophole I like that. <laughs> that yeah. you can say to people who are disappointed in the story. <laughs> that's like something I would say to my mom. Well, mom, you know you, know, you didn't like, actually see her die. Don't so. really see the body. <laughs> so who knows? And my mom goes, okay. <laughs> you, you know, you know, if if you know if if one day. Hopefully this gets picked up and they're like, well, where's Wonderland 2? I'll be like, well, you know, I've already got it, so don't worry. <laughs> well, you know, what, what are you doing? What are you – are you working on trying to get this produced? Do you have ideas about production that you'd like to see happen? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had this out uh, in the world and it, it, it had a director who, who was interested in it. Um, who, who, whose work that I enjoy, but it never really kind of got going. It just kind of spun its wheels. And, um, you know, I've, I've had some really good advice and it, it's that this is a, this is a second film or, or, you know, hopefully a good spec, mm-hmm. but you know, I've, I've got to, I've got to write that, that, that film that's made for under a million dollars before someone oh. would trust me with, <laughs> with, with something like this. <laughs> Crawl before you walk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm pushing that at the moment. The, the next thing really has to be a budget conscious, you know, um, spec that, that, that does all the things that Wonderland does, but, but in a, in a way that someone could make it in an afternoon, you know, with a couple of bottle caps or something. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of visuals, I, I you know, reading this script and, and having images in my head of not necessarily like, I mean, obviously there would be have to be a lot of special effects work with these life-size animals and all the action that's going on in it. But I really saw it with a real, like a real specific sort of artistic style that wasn't necessarily just like a photorealistic CG, whatever. I saw a lot of weird, you know, shadings and darkness and a, a real stylized kind of look, I think would really fit in nicely with the way the script is written. 
No, totally. I mean, I, I, a few people who have uh, read it again have said, you know, or oh, the, the the graphic novel esque style of like a Frank Miller kind of Sin City, sure, uh, or Robert Rodriguez would 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 suit this. And I, I you know, I would be very very up for that. Um, but I I I would I would very much if you know one day they they said right Wilkes what have you got you, you here's millions and you get to direct it yourself um, you know I'd I'd really like to kind of pull it back from the special effects and and you know because it is such a gritty um, urban uh, kind of environment to to just use all the practical effects that we possibly could oh hell yeah. That, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that would be my 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 going forward. But then again, you know, some people said, oh, you know, maybe this is animation. But then again, that raises the production budget again. And I, I, I feel that kind of advertising, if you advertise Alice in Wonderland film animation, you know, maybe this would get to the wrong audience and we'd see some, right. you know, very frightened kids running from the multiplex. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure the parents watch the trailer before oh, taking man. little Olive to the movies. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why is there strawberry jelly like coming out of the rabbit's hand, Mom? <laughs> that cat looks sexy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ted, if somebody was interested in getting in touch with you about this particular script and talking to you about, you know, production ideas and what you want to do and what they could do. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So my email is on the front of the script. It's four pages or more at gmail.com. It's a, a quiet reminder every day that I've got to write four pages or more. Otherwise I haven't done anything or um, they can hit me up on Twitter. It's at Ted Wilkes, or I have a, a, a YouTube channel, where I put out some video essay content every now and again, and they can find me at it's sight unsound. Mm, sight unsound. How, how <laughs> clever! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see what I see what I'm doing there. I you, you little wordsmith. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this with us. There's obviously so much more we could have. Oh my gosh, we really could have gone through. But you, you've created a very, very, very big world and very complicated characters and one measly little script shop episode is just not long enough to contain your ideas yeah we might need to have to maybe expand this out down the road and guys I was, I was about to say i would it would be an honor to be back on again at any time so please just you know feel free to get in touch well ted please uh, keep us in touch too of anything uh, going on you do get this script in front of the right set of eyeballs who has a, a, an unlimited bank account and a real artistic uh, bent to him and let's let's uh, let's keep talking about this because we need to work on wonderland too yeah, no, no, brilliant. And thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's been a real pleasure to be able to talk about it. So thank you. Thanks, Ted. All right. Well, that's Ted. That's cool. Jeez, what a script. I know. It's it's a big world. It's a big world. It's and a it's big world. Dirty and it's yeah. brutal. And yeah. it's, but not in, not in a way that feels like I'm going to do something offensive. Like it's just, no. this is the world, this, this is, is the world, world that he's telling. Yeah. It, it, I, I mentioned this earlier off the show, but it really does remind me of one of those very earliest scripts that we had, the Ron Padell. Oh, yeah. That gritty New York epic poem mm-hmm. about how this affects that and that affects this cause and effect in a like grimy, hard world. Yeah. And that's kind of what this is. You're watching people affect each other here, cause here, effect there, cause here, effect there. And there's a lot of sinister stuff trying to control it, but that's just part of this jungle, the concrete jungle. That's exactly that right. they're all in. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, if you've got some sinister elements of causality, one thing leading to another, or maybe some pleasant things or music or yeah, whatever. Yeah, come freak us out or something. Write it in script form and you should send it in to us. And you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. That's right. Don't forget to look us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 
Um, on Twitter, I'm your bestie, Westie. And I'm at Script Shop Jack. And, uh... Frank, we want to check, can we check in with you? Are you okay? Did you're we okay hit, over there, Do we Frank? hit everything? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, okay. you good? Do you need a snack? Frank, we're glad you're back. You need a little snacky or a nap? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, you need a snacky? <laughs> Frank, you need a nap? <laughs> we're glad you're back, Oh, Frank. gosh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, thanks for putting up with us yeah (laughs) and until next week that's a wrap script shop was created by allison west hosted by allison west and jack crumley produced by frank Steele. thanks to iheart media cincinnati for use of their studio intro music retro soul by bensound.com outro music by purple-planet.com special thanks to all our guests thanks for listening